Hi, I'm David Green, and you're listening to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. For our first episode after the summer break, I'm delighted to welcome a true luminary in the world of people analytics and HR technology. With a career spanning an astonishing 55 years, our guest today, Lexi Martin, carries a weight of wisdom and expertise that has been earned through decades of dedication to advancing the field. What brings us here today is the latest research Lexi has published for Vizia, which explores the crucial topic of democratizing data and insights for people managers, a subject that holds immense potential to revolutionize the way organizations approach people management. Throughout our conversation, we'll uncover the key findings from her research shedding light on how organizations can effectively tailor data and insights to meet the diverse needs of different managerial roles. And we'll also explore the essential steps that organizations can take to ensure a seamless and successful adoption of data-driven practices among people managers. So get ready to be inspired and enlightened as we embark upon this conversation with Lexi Martin, a true digital HR leader and the pioneering research she brings to the table. Lexi, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to sit down with you before you embark on your well-deserved redirection. I, I, I hope I've got the raise right there. You, you've had a 55-year career and it's been filled with you know remarkable success and, and a real legacy to, to the field. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you about your, your journey and achievements. But, but first, can, can you give listeners a, a brief introduction to, your, to, to yourself and, and, your, and your career journey? Yeah, so I uh, started in 1967. I've been in the tech industry all of my career. Uh, Started as a programmer, systems analyst, application development manager. I was the first woman in many of those roles. And in in the late 70s, I was doing some integration work between data on a computer and word processing capability on a wang, and we were attempting to integrate the capa- you know, the data that we had on the computer with uh, the ability to write nice-looking letters to patients with that data. So that was my first taste of integration work, and it and it was really kind of leading-edge work at the time. I did the original market research for the product that became Microsoft Word. I worked with Bill Gates on that. You know, because at the time, word, word processing was being done uh, on, you know, Wang and other kinds of computers. It wasn't being done by, you know, you and me. That was an interesting project. I did some uh, early employee and manager self-service work in the uh, mid-90s. And then I, I went to work for the Hunter Group, and I started the survey that uh, was first known as the Sierra Cedar HR System Survey that looked at you know HR technology adoption and the value that organizations get from that adoption. I retired the first time, but I was told I had to find my replacement. I found Stacy Harris. She continues that survey as the uh, Sapien Insights research, and I was a failure at retiring the first time, and I ended up working for Vizier as the head of research for the last seven years, doing you know their research, telling their customer stories during, during research on the value of people analytics adoption, 
and the practices, you know, that enable organizations to to succeed. I definitely want to talk to you later about some of the key learnings that, that you've had throughout, throughout your career that you think may help the HR tech and people analytics community kind of learn from that, you know, moving forward into into the into future years. But but first, I really want to congratulate you on your recently published research at Vizia on on democratizing data and insights for people managers. I've just been reading the the, the report again, actually, before our conversation. The findings are quite intriguing. But before we dive into the go into the insights, you know, what what sparked your interest in this area? Because I know it's an area that you're particularly passionate about. Yeah. As I said, the Sierra Cedar HR system survey was all about adoption and value. And of all the technologies that I tracked for that first 15 years on that, the one technology, so what I would always do is I would attach the financial metrics of all the responding organizations, you know, that were publicly traded. And I do a correlation to see which of the technologies actually had the highest financial performance. And the highest financial performance always from 2000 on came from workforce analytics. And, um, you know, so when I retired and decided I wanted to come back to work, I looked around and, you know, I'd met the folks at Vizier and, you know, it was the leading people analytics vendor at the time. I think it still is. And so, you know, I wanted to work for them and to continue the value research. And, you know, so it's just in my DNA, I think, to look at value achieved. And, you know, at Vizier, I've been able to continue to do that. I've written a number of white papers on the economic and financial impact of people analytics. And to me, democratization is just, you know, it's the next phase. So the paper, uh, which is available, and we will put a link in the show notes for for people that they can go to the Vizier site and download it. And um, Lexi, could you could you share some of the the key findings from the study and maybe maybe whet the audience's uh, appetite in doing so? So yeah, the highest level finding is that providing data and insights to managers makes them more effective and more human. So they're delivering cost savings and uh, revenue improvement. They're preparing for the future, and they're they're balancing this need to be both to have their organizations be both profitable and you know productive, while also enabling their people and their teams to thrive. And um, you know, I I, I want to drill down on that last piece. Um, and by the way, the research this time, I often do surveys, but this research was just talking to people. And I talked to both uh, Vizier customers and non-customers. So, you know, for example, I talked to Don Klinghoffer, uh, who's, you know, you know, is the head of people analytics at Microsoft. And she talked about the importance of thriving and to find it as to be energized and empowered to do meaningful work. But I kept hearing that term in other interviews. And it was it was really interesting that that was what data and insights enabled managers to do, was to enable their uh, employees and even themselves to thrive. And so in practice, I found it to mean using data to improve employee well-being, to improve recognition, to enable their managers to, uh, you know, provide coaching and career direction, 
and essentially to just help their employees be the best they could be. Because if you do that, you're enabling them to be productive and the organization benefits, but the people benefit too. Yeah, really, really important because it's, you know, what's the manager's role? And I suppose you, you can look at it in two things. It's one, two, around performance and productivity for themselves and their team, which as you said, that ticks the kind of the effectiveness box. But then there's the whole piece around developing your team, the culture of the team, experience of people at work, you know, because... You know, that's what a lot of employees come to work for and why they, they, they work for certain companies and stay with certain companies. So if, if we can we can help managers be better at doing that by giving them data to give them information about, you know, their team's performance and, and, and strengths and, and, and areas where coaching may be required, but also themselves, then then we really we're kind of improving things from both sides of the coin, which is which is arguably the holy grail, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to look at what it is that, well, first of all, who is a people manager? And um, my eyes were opened. When I started this research, I had a definition of people manager. And it was, you know, someone who's in charge of the team. But what I kept hearing is people managers, you know, were also executives. But focusing more on, um, you know, the team or the, you know, the operational frontline manager, you know, what is it that they do where they're supported by data? And, you know, they, they're, they're doing the work for their particular role. They're also, you know, planning, they're organizing, they're staffing. Um, they're doing all those employee life cycle activities of hiring, developing, retaining, you know, and then they're doing things like managing performance, they're mitigating risk, they're eliminating barriers. And there's like ways that you can support all of those activities with data and insight. I think, you know, kind of understanding what it is that people managers are really doing and then applying data and insights is is just really critical to the success of democratization efforts. This podcast episode is brought to you by Vizia, the people analytics platform for successful HR teams. Close the gap between your HR productivity and business performance. Unlock workforce answers and empower your managers with insights to lead. Easier, faster, on demand and at scale. Learn more at vizier.com. That's V-I-S-I-E-R.com. I guess one of the things, and you better tell tell me better than, than I'd be able to tell you, Lexi, of, of doing research is occasionally you come across things that you didn't expect. So I'm interested on, in this particular study, were there any unexpected or particularly eye-opening discoveries that, that really stood out? You know, maybe some insights that brought some new perspectives to life, for example. I guess one of the first things was that I thought there would be more commonality in how data and insights were used. And what I realized after, you know, three or four interviews is that there is so much dimensionality to the people manager role. So uh, I don't know if you've seen the Vizier Smart Compensation Solution, but I think that's really brilliant because, you know, manager, every manager is involved in compensation decisions. There's a, a kind of an in-depth story in the white paper from Standard Bank 
group in Africa, um, you know, about how they really attended to the personas that they're serving. You know, so there are senior managers who get one set of data, and then the frontline managers that get the same set of data, but more targeted, well, only targeted to their span of control. And then employees get another set of data. And if you kind of, and I think it's it's worthwhile to take a look at what they're giving them. You know, at the highest level, it's headcount turnover, employee experience using net promoter scores. It's all about DEI. It's uh, a lot about learning. You know, how much time are employees under their domain spending in in learning, and how much time are they spending in uh, learning for future skills development? That's really critical for any organization that is, you know, in transformation. Um, you know, how much time are they spending on performance coaching? Uh, what about the risk of absenteeism? Whereas the team leader, leader they're going to be more focused on, you know, some operational things like um, are certificates uh, going to expire soon? Because uh, they need to make sure that, you know, those that doesn't happen because there's huge fines associated with um, people who are, you know, not in compliance with their training. And then the employee is getting things around pay and leave. Um, and all this data enables certain actions to be taken. So I, I think it's a great example and it kind of helps, I think, organizations think through, you know, what's appropriate to give to each level. And I like the standard bank group approach, which is we're going to give the same, but it'll be constricted to the span for the for the people manager. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, actually, we had MP and Werner on the podcast a year or so ago, walking through the standard bank stories. So he is brilliant. I, I think yeah. he's there's some of the further MP and his team are the furthest along in a real effective democratization effort. Yeah. No, it's really good. So, I mean, if listeners want to find out more, then do do check out that episode. And actually, what that what that little what that little example points to, I think, Lexi, is is actually a question I was going to ask you, and and something that I could see and from from reading through the report myself. You know, the findings really indicate that organisations need to consider personas uh, when they're designing data solutions for managers. And you know, obviously, you shared the example of of Standard Bank there, but. But could you share some best practices or, or, or any other examples of how organizations can effectively tailor their data and insights to meet the diverse needs of different managerial roles? I want to save talking about best practices related to change management for a little bit later. But, you know, there, there were some other examples. Um, you know, uh, there was one organization that was really recognized the importance of mobility because uh, they had some talent hoarders and they needed to, you know, stop those managers that were hoarding talent and, you know, support them in in uh, enabling mobility. Um, you know, there's also specific uh, needs in some industries to uh, ensure that you keep your new hires past 90 days because then they'll stay a long time. You know, so focusing on that uh, particular um, need um, and th th there was a, a story that I heard from manufacturing and retail and in healthcare on 
this labor mix analysis, I think it's also called talent mix analysis, where they're looking at uh, the use of contingents um, and full-time equivalents. And um, you know they don't want to necessarily grow their headcount too quickly, but they need to staff up for a service or a product delivery uh, and then scale back when the, the need lessens. And so they, they were doing this analysis where they could compare the cost of a contractor with associated agency fees with the use of you know, full-time equivalents who they have to hire, onboard, train, and they could see what the most effective mix of that um, use of contingents and full-time equivalents was. Plus, you know, knowing, oh, we're at risk of keeping that contingent worker too, too long and we've got to hire that person. So I mean, there's there's a lot of stories in the in the white paper. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that really stood out. Actually, the the amount of examples and there's a there's a list of some you know pretty prestigious um, practitioners that that contributed to the report and then obviously that you interviewed Lexi to support the findings. So definitely do recommend that people check it out. And there was one one additional thing that really fascinated me on there was the the value table of savings and and revenue that 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 you that you put together for an organisation of around ten thousand employees. Now I'm not going to reveal all the data because I do think people should probably check it out themselves uh, when they look at the report. But we're not talking a small number, though, are we? No, we're not talking a small number. You probably have you know always asked organizations, well, what's the dollar value that you've gotten, you know, from doing something? And it's hard for organizations to state that. They don't want to go on record, you know. So what um, you know, particularly in healthcare, particularly in financial services, and you know, nobody's in the business of supporting a vendor to be successful, you know. <laughs> so um, but they would tell about their value stories. So I just spent some time, you know, kind of creating this model of, okay, if you did all these things where I heard about value, what's the potential? And it's like almost 400, 400 million in cost savings and a close to 200 million in revenue expansion um, from doing these democratization efforts um, in and for an organization with 10,000 employees. So, I mean, it, it's potentially huge. And what I really like about the way you you you've structured the table um lexi is that you know someone in a people analytics team or maybe in a finance team could could take that and they could look at it for their own organization because obviously they might want to check that it might be a similar figure and rather than you you've not just come up with a couple of headline numbers on there you've actually structured it down and explained how you've calculated it and everything else so anyone else can pick this up and potentially you know put something together for their own company that was the intent for doing it. Um, you know, I did hear from some that they they weren't understanding the value of giving data and insights to frontline managers. So I just really wanted to, you know, be able to kind of tell the stories and then figure out what that value could be, because not many of our customers or others would talk about the financial value. I did get one story that was about um, one organization that had figured out how much time was wasted in meetings arguing about the source and validity of data. 
and then and having to go to the people analytics team or the HRIT person to run some numbers. And you know, they said, well, it's 10 managers times 20 minutes for every kind of meeting where data and insights can be brought to bear, like you know, attacking an engagement survey, uh, doing a performance review, doing a talent review. So it was 20 minutes of a person's time, and then it was eight hours of a people analytics team member time, and all of that went away when you democratized. And you know, that alone was like $600,000 in time savings. <laughs> We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Now, obviously, it's interesting because... Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of work at Insight 222 with organizations to, to help them improve data literacy and HR professionals. And we identified a couple of, you know, I think four key four key areas um, to, to actually, for organizations that are doing this well. One is role modeling by the CHRO and the HR leadership team. Two is that the people analytics leader takes responsibility for upskilling. Obviously, they've got support from, from others, particularly in learning to, to kind of put programs together. You know, so based on your experience, what are some of the essential steps that, that that companies can take to ensure a smooth and successful adoption of data-driven practices among managers? Yeah. So I'm so glad that you said what you said, because, you know, I think the work that you and Jonathan have done, you know, change management is required on any initiative. And so I'm glad you've gone through those steps. And I wanted to focus just on those that I found in my mind that were kind of unique to democratization. You know, so I'm glad we have kind of a mutual checklist. What I kept hearing was start simple, uh, no big bang approach. You know, don't just put something out and expect it to be used. Put out something that meets a real business need and then do a constant drip campaign of you know curated content. That's a term we use within Jazir, that uh, you know that that keeps the availability of data and insights constantly evolving. And uh, in 2021, I I saw this beginning emergence of organizations democratizing to people managers. Well, that's continuing. But what I saw this time is a dramatic and statistically significant increase in democratization of finance managers. And I think that's really critical because when organizations, you know, kind of get that understanding that there's a difference between the financial hierarchy and the supervisory hierarchy, and that, you know, the data within each of those is important to each of those camps, once they get that alignment, then democratization really takes off. Um, so cracking that nut and having that alignment conversation is really critical around 
you know, FTE, span of control, you know, all the metrics are in the report. What emerging trends or developments do you envision will, will shape the, the future of people analytics and, and HR technology based on your experience and based on maybe recent research that you've done? In, in, and I'm not going to put a time span on it, but maybe let's say the next couple of years. You know, that, that integration challenge continues to be, um, you know, the one that is so critical, particularly to integrate business data with, you know, people data, because, you know, until you can start to really look at productivity and performance and how people contribute to the business, you know, people, you know, was it Paul Rubenstein always says, people data is business data, um, you know, so that integration piece is just critical. And I can't speak to that as well as my colleagues at Vizier do. So let me just leave it at that. But I think that's a, a you know, a trend, a need that, has to be surmounted. But I think the other interesting thing is, you know, the women in people analytics that are breaking new ground. You know, if you look at most of the audiences these days, there's equal numbers of women in people analytics as men. And, you know, we've got some brilliant women out there that are doing groundbreaking work. Lydia Wu at Panasonic, Melissa Cantor at the Lego Group, Dawn at uh, Microsoft, I think Haley Bregman, who used to be at Wayfair and PTC and now has her own independent consulting doing DEI work, um, you know, Stacia Gar, Priyanka, you know, all the work they do in, in people analytics, um, Melissa Arante at Medallia, you know, and then there's some fabulous women at Vizier that don't get the attention that they need. Um, you know, when I decided to leave, Dave, my boss at the time, said, well, you know, find your replacement. Andrea Derlaire, pay attention to what she's doing. She is just brilliant. But there's other people like Carla Williams. Um, you're going to start seeing a lot more from her, I think, and Jennifer Smith, uh, Pamela Tosher. Um, so I think the the it's a field that is becoming dominated with women, I think. And there's a different approach that I think we take. No, I, I agree. I think you're right to highlight there's some amazing women in, in our space and, and more more joining all the time, which is, which is, which is great. And that, that actually talks to another area, which I know you're really passionate about, Lexi, is, is using people analytics for, for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I, I know it's something... And I don't know in the research that you've just conducted around people managers if you saw an element related to DEIB. Um, it's, you know, turnover and DEIB are still the top two analytics topics in use and giving value. Uh, and, you know, those are like almost equal in importance. And Janet Marler and I, you know, have done this causal analysis for a number of years. There's a causal relationship between focusing on DEIB and improved financial performance. It's the one causal link that she found with the last set of data that, that we've got. So I find that intriguing. And, you know, even looking at the um, the impact of improving diversity, providing data and insights to people managers, the the place that it uh, creates value is in innovation. And it 
impacts innovation revenue. And innovation revenue is typically about 10% of the revenue of an organization. And the research I found showed that it increases that uh, innovation revenue by something like 19%. So, you know, I think I, I haven't dug deeply into my latest round of customer data, but other than to note that Turnover and DEI are still the top two analytics topics. That's interesting, actually, because the risk, the the annual uh, research we do at Insight two 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 twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. One of the questions we ask is, you know, what are the three areas where people analytics is adding the most value in your organization? And DEIB came out top both years. It's been wonderful for me to have this kind of laboratory of customer experiences and data you know, to look at over my seven years. And what I notice is that new customers, you know, again, turnover and DEIB are the two things that they're going to focus on initially. You know, it kind of changes as they become more mature, where they may focus on things like pay equity or um, compensation or, um, you know, talent acquisition. And I think talent acquisition has such a, a clear connection with DEIB that, you know, if you really unbundled what it is that organizations are doing, DEIB, you know, kind of has a piece within all those other analytics areas. We could probably talk about this all day, but we better, better move on to the next question. And, and actually, so with your redirection, um, Lexi, and looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to that, do you see yourself unretiring again? Or, or seriously, do you see yourself sit, staying involved in the field in any, any capacity moving forward? I'm, I'm hoping you'll have a nice holiday once once you finish off a busy other. I, I I am going to take some time off and, you know, kind of, you know, people always say, oh, you know, you deserve to retire, you know, as if, you know, and when you retire, you're going to do nothing. You know, that's not who I am, you know, so I will redirect my energy somewhere. And uh, when I retired the first time, I, I took a, uh, a program at our uh, local ag university uh, and became a master gardener. And, you know, in California, uh, so master gardeners are all about using research to uh, support sustainable gardening and our issues are bad soil and drought, you know, so I'm, I write for our local newspaper and I got really intrigued recently in uh, doing some research on the fact that plants in the office support collaboration and kindness. And I'm really intrigued to maybe, you know, do some research with that. I need to get some plants in my office by the looks of it then. <laughs> well, do you, well, do you collab well, of course you collaborate, but you know, do you collaborate in your office? <laughs> well, only only like this, I guess. But um but 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 yeah, I mean I suppose the most frequent visitor to my office is my four legged friend. So I uh, don't do much collaboration <laughs> with him when I'm working, to be fair. But So I might just do sort of fun fun research, you know. I'm sure you won't be able to resist dipping your feet into into our space at that certain point. So I look forward for that. Lexi, this is the final question um, of, of of the episode. And this is one that we're asking everyone in this series that, that Vizier is sponsoring. And it's it's a perfect question for you. We've we've covered it in, in, in some depth already. So please feel free to, to summarize maybe some sort of key learnings and key actions that, that people can take on this. How, how can HR leaders build a data-driven and digitally literate culture in HR? 
Yeah, well, of course, I'm going to speak from my value perspective. And, uh, you know, and I think you've talked about this as well, that uh, organizations really need to do a post-implementation review of their success and really, you know, kind of figure out what financial and strategic impact what they're doing is having, you know, so, and, and it was interesting None of the organizations that I talked to, and it was a couple of dozens, had done a true post-implementation review. And yet, I know from my long career that when or, when organizations start to do that, they get more money and they get more staff. So, you know, I think that's that's one of the really critical things that you know, needs to to be done to support more organizations being data-driven. Um, I, I wrote an article uh, for IRAM uh, called Lexi's Learnings from 50 Years in the Tech Industry. And um, I think that technology introduction can catalyze important changes in the workplace. You know, so think about what you want to have happening. What I want to have happen from data and insights is that we use it to be more human, to be more effective. You know, but what is your reason for promoting data literacy? And, you know, because the way you frame what you talk about, I think, can actually catalyze that change to actually happen. Yeah, very good. Very good. Lexi. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. It's only get, taken about three years to get you on the show, so I'm really grateful that, that you've come in before you, um, you you start your your redirection. And can you let listeners know how they can keep keep in touch with you, follow you on social media if you're still going to do social media or some social media, uh, and find and more importantly, find out more about your work. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Lexi Martin on LinkedIn and Twitter and. Uh, I've got that article, Lexi's Learnings. Um, I am going to take some, you know, some time off, but I will be at Unleash in Paris in a session on this, on this, the value of democratization. I don't think I'm going to completely disappear, but I will for a while. I think you've earned to earn some time to tr- disappear and travel, and I look forward to seeing you in Paris at Unleash. That's that's great that you're going to be there. And Lexi, thank you so much for spending the time to share your research and, and expertise and knowledge with listeners of the podcast and, and also thank you so much from me for everything you've done for this field um you know particularly over the last seven ten years when i when i've been in it you know at, both at sierra cedar and then and then at vizier thank you i really appreciate the work that you do you've taught me a lot thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey into the world of hr analytics and data democratization with lexi martin I hope you found the conversation as inspiring and as insightful as I did. If you did enjoy this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. Thank you once again for being part of the Digital HR Leaders podcast community. Until next time, take care and let's continue exploring, learning and transforming HR together.